You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Good morning, beloved. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. And today we hear the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he, he opened back in chapter 5. We heard him announcing blessings to us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom is theirs. And blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. And he taught us how to stand out in this world as salt and light. And how to fight the sins of the heart. How to not be showy and attention getting and praying and serving others and ministry and more. And Jesus taught us how to pray. And how to treat one another in the church. Throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been teaching us how to live as disciples. And and that's his whole concern in the sermon. He doesn't want us to just learn some data and learn some words that he's taught and know that disciple means learner. No, he wants us to actually be learners and be those who live his word and what it looks like to live in his kingdom. And as he ends today, he tells his hearers then and now that some, are not, that some hearing are not going to make it into the kingdom. Even though they think they will, there are some listening who will not make it into the kingdom of Christ. The Sermon on the Mount opened with blessings, blessed, 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 and now it closes with a serious note, a theme of danger and concern which Jesus will use a lot in the gospels. He'll announce blessings and then he'll announce woes. He'll announce woes on whole cities. And now he wants us all to listen about what will happen on judgment day. And if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of the words of Christ, beginning in Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the rivers rose. The winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. And it collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Let's pray together. King Jesus, help us now to hear your words and not to just keep going about our lives, but to hear and respond, to hear and act, to hear and believe and to follow you now, King Jesus. Help us. 
You know the state of everyone's heart in this room, of everyone listening. Would you show us where we are with you today? Some of us need great conviction. Some of us need great encouragement as we walk with you. So help us, King Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. These are jarring words from Jesus. He's ending his sermon not the way we would think. You got to end the sermon on a high note, something that is encouraging people walk out with a pep in their step. But Jesus ends with a bone-chilling scene. And Jesus is telling us today what we need to know what doesn't work in the life of a Christian, what doesn't work to get into the kingdom, what doesn't work in the kingdom. And Jesus starts this way with his conclusion. We need to know what doesn't save you. Know what doesn't save you. Look at verse 21. Look how Jesus begins his conclusion. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So notice Jesus is saying, call me Lord. I I am God. I am king of the universe. That is what I am. But here's the striking thing, guys. That doesn't guarantee you are in his kingdom. You can know the right things about Jesus, that he's Lord, that he's God, that he's king. You can say a prayer. You can say the right things on Sundays. You can sing the right things on Sundays. You can say the right stuff in a small group to a pastor or to a Christian friend. But what does Jesus say? But the on, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven will enter the kingdom of heaven. He's, he contrasts two things, do you see? He contrasts saying with doing, the one who says versus the one who does. And I wonder if this makes us uncomfortable. If you're only familiar with Paul's writings and not Matthew, or if you're only familiar with Peter's writings and not James, then this will sound like to you a works-based salvation. You're saved by doing. But of course, of all people, Jesus of Nazareth is not the one that says we're saved by doing. Remember who Jesus is talking to. His disciples. Those who say, I believe in you and I want to follow you and I want to walk with you. So Jesus is saying, you want to know what my followers do? They know they aren't saved by their doing, but their doing shows they have been saved. The ones who do the will of my Father in heaven, those are my disciples. Not just the one who says, Lord, Lord. We see in the Gospels a lot, as we keep going through the Gospel of Matthew, people will come up to Jesus, Lord, what do I need to do to be saved? Good teacher, what do I need to do to be saved? A lot of people call Jesus things and then they walk away from him. So what Jesus is saying, he's not saying Christianity is a works-based salvation. Rather that Christianity is a salvation that bears works, that gives rise to obedience. Grace causes obedience to rise from the soil of following Jesus. Here's what he's saying. And this is so true in the Bible Belt. Anybody can say anything. But the life reveals it. Anybody can talk it, but Jesus is my disciples, really walk it out. Anyone can say anything. 
when Nally and I were in New Orleans a few months back, and we were leaving this restaurant, and there was a table, long table outside the restaurant, and these people had clearly been enjoying a good number of beverages, if you understand. And they all started talking to me and wanted my attention. Hey, hey you, hey you. And I'm, I'm ignoring them, we're walking by. And one lady um, goes, hey, I'm talking to you. And I go, hey, hi. And she goes, you look familiar. What TV show were you on? Were you in a movie or something? Like, what, what show? What was it? So, of course, you know, I tell her the truth. If you don't know already, I'm not going to tell you. And I walk away. And I went and put my sunglasses on and sat at a table and acted like I didn't want to be bothered. And, and we were waiting for Ubers to pull up. And one of our friends that was there, who, her Uber got here first. And we were all laughing about what they were saying. And so our friend's walking away and says, thanks for the autograph, and hops in her Uber and leaves. And then Nally and I, our, our car pulls up, and you know, Nally and I we're, got our arms together, and we're walking and you know, playing it up. And then they ask her, hey, are you famous too? What do you do? And Nally goes, I'm an Olympic sand volleyball player. And keep walking. And they're like, wow. And we got in the car and left. Anyone can say anything. You know my life isn't filled with cameras and rehearsals. We don't even own a volleyball. (laughs) But see, beloved, real disciples, the fruit of genuine discipleship, Jesus says, is obedience to the will of God revealed to us in Christ. This doesn't mean we have perfect obedience. We know that. How does the Sermon on the Mount begin? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed are the achievers, but blessed are those who are know they are bankrupt without me and that they need me in their life. To be poor in spirit, that precedes the doing, that precedes letting your light shine, that precedes being the city on a hill, that precedes being salty in this world, that precedes walking with Jesus. And this is why Jesus says, many will say, many will say, Lord, Lord. And listen, You can have right theology of Jesus. You can read the right books about Jesus. You can know that Jesus is Lord. But if you don't do the will of the Father, if you don't live the way of the kingdom, Jesus says, what? I don't know you. I don't know you. Look at at verse 22. On that day, this is judgment day, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy? And he lists all, the, all these ministries that they do. On that day, this is the day, judgment day, the day before you will spend either eternity in the kingdom of heaven on the new earth, or you will spend it in the outer darkness. And look who's in the captain's chair of all of this. Jesus says he is. Look, look what's happening Examine how Christ-focused, Christ-directed all of this is. Many will say to me, but I will say to them. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, then we prophesy in your name, your name, 23. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart. Do you see how much authority, what's happening here? Jesus is ratcheting up the view of him where we are meant to have. He is not just some great teacher. Jesus is saying, you are interacting with the one that will judge the universe. That will judge everyone in the world. 
This is what Paul says in Acts 17. While there's so much urgency with Christianity about this, in Acts 17, Paul says, God now commands all people everywhere to repent, to turn. Because, this is why, he has set a day, that day that Jesus is talking about. He is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. This is his son. Jesus of Nazareth. And he has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Jesus says, I'm the judge. I am the narrow gate. And what's, what's happening in verses 22, guys? Jesus is he's putting us into the DeLorean and saying, we're going to the future. And I want you to see what's going to happen at the future and that day. There will be some that say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say, come into my kingdom. Others will say, Lord, Lord, I'll say, I don't know you. I don't know you. And look at their response. Look at the conversation Jesus says is going to happen. Look, verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And look, in your name. We did it for you. I did it. It was Christ-centered focus. You, it was in your name. You were at the center. Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't I do many miracles in your name? This is a pretty good resume, isn't it? I prophesied. I love the Bible. I drove out demons. I'm super spiritual. I did miracles. I'm a prayer warrior. But what does Jesus say? What's happening here? What does he say? Verse 23. Get out of here. I never knew you. Depart from me. This is bone chilling. These people did good ministry for Jesus, didn't they? Looks like they're part of a good ministry. Looks like they're part of a good church. But why, why doesn't it cut it? Why doesn't Jesus say, you're right, come on in? On one level, I think it's because they got caught up doing stuff for Jesus and not yet actually following Jesus. Because this is their defense. Not, Jesus, didn't we follow you? Jesus, didn't we love you? Didn't we trust you? Didn't we obey you? Didn't we walk with you? But here's the stuff I did. And here's the key, beloved. Their prophesying and their miracles and their in their casting out demons, didn't cut it because Jesus doesn't call, listen, Jesus doesn't call for any of that in the Sermon on the Mount. There is not one verse in the Sermon on the Mount where we are of Jesus saying, every Christian, I want you to cast out demons. Every Christian, I want you to have an impressive ministry. Every Christian, I want you to make sure that you are powerful with the scriptures. Every Christian, make sure that you heal people. None of that. So they prop up their ministries that they've done. They're prophesying. They're casting out demons. They're miracles. But Jesus doesn't call for any of that. He doesn't demand that. What does he demand? Love your neighbors. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Be a peacemaker. That's what Jesus calls for in the Sermon on the Mount. He doesn't call us all to cast out demons. He doesn't call us all to prophesy. He calls us all to seek humility. He calls us all to be peacemakers. He calls us all to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the mark of real discipleship. 
That's the mark of really knowing Jesus. God is, we love flashy moments of impressiveness. God does not care about those. God loves the mundane moments. The secret areas of the heart. That's what he says in Matthew 6. Go and pray to your father who is in secret, who sees in secret, and he will reward you. He doesn't care about big flashy ministry. He cares about when you prayed for that cruel colleague after a meeting you had. He sees and he cares when you didn't harshly judge another Christian who is confessing sin to you. He cares and he sees, it's a mark of true discipleship, when you turn from lust and you gouge out your smartphone from your life. See, people today are willing to cut out carbs and sugar and, and all things made by Little Debbie or Frito-Lay Incorporated. Because they have a goal in mind. I have a transformation. I have something I need to do for my well-being. And Christian growth is no different. It's no different. When a professing Christian is unwilling to make changes to put sin to death or to pray for those who hate them or to serve someone else, Jesus says, check yourself. I think on that day, many people will say, Lord, wasn't I a member of a church? A solid church. Didn't I sing good worship songs on Sunday? Didn't I give to missions, Lord? He'll say, sure you did. But you didn't follow me where I clearly called you to. You did what you wanted to do. Not my Father's will. You did your will. But not my will. See, beloved, the Christian life is doing by faith what Christ wants us to do. Not what we think we should do but what Christ himself has called us to do. That's why it's the Christian life, not the me life. The Christ life in us. And it's good to rem- remember, we are saved by grace. And we talk about grace, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. We can't earn salvation. But that salvation gets worked out in us. And we do the Father's will. Do you know what the Father's will is? What he wants for everyone listening? Jesus says in John 6, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So this is it. The Father wants you to trust in the life, death, and resurrection of God's Son. That's the Father's will. And if you believe, you'll be raised up on the last day at Judgment Day into eternal life. And you've been raised now to follow him. And you follow Christ every day. This is the Christian life. Not just taking Jesus at Good Friday and not just taking Jesus at Easter, but taking Jesus after Easter. When he says, go and be my disciples. Teaching one another to observe, to obey all that I've commanded you. So we trust Jesus' death, we trust his resurrection, and we trust his words. We trust his authority, what he says we want to do. What he says we want to live by faith. Because do you remember what Jesus also said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount? I have not come to abolish the law. I have not come to get rid of obedience. I've come to fulfill it. And I've come to give it to you. I've obeyed everything my Father says. And I've done it for you so that you could now 
be called righteous so that you could be obedient through me. That's why we will never be called what he says in verse 23. If you really are a believer, you'll never hear from Jesus, depart from me, you lawbreakers. Because now in Christ, we're no longer lawbreakers. Though we were outside of him, we were disobedient outside of him. But now since he fulfilled the law, he gives it to us, we're counted righteous. And now his desire to do the Father's will, that was Jesus' great desire in the Gospels. Father, your will be done. I do what my Father says to do. I see what my Father in heaven does, and I imitate him. That was true of Jesus. Now, with Christ living in us by faith, now that's our desire. I want to do the Father's will. I want to, I want to pray your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth and in my life, as it is in heaven. That's the mark of true disciples. And that's what's, get, that's what's get, getting built in our life. And this is where Jesus ends, where he says, we need to know what you are building. Jesus now ends with this word picture and a story to drive his point home like he, always, like he often does in the Gospels. And his words aren't suggestions. His words aren't optional. Listen, this is the only person you will ever interact with where his words, his words carry weight in every area of your life and are non-optional. You have a boss. Most of us think have jobs. You have a boss. Their words are authoritative. They're important. But they only speak into one realm. You have children. You have authority over them, but it speaks into one realm. The government has authority over you, but only in one realm. Jesus now steps in and says, my words are non-optional and have authority over every realm in your life. His words are the difference between your life ending in the celestial kingdom and your life being a complete collapse at the end of the age. Look at what he says in verse 24. Therefore, since this is true, people are going to say, Lord, Lord, and not get in. Some will get in, some will not. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Then the rain fell. The rivers rose. You think of Hurricane Harvey floods, pictures in your mind. And the, and pound, the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The, the rain fell, rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house. And it collapsed and it collapsed with a great crash. Do you, do you see the connection and contrast again? Hearing the words of Jesus, acting on them. He says, wise man, like built on the rock. And then also hearing. So both people are hearing. You, there are both crowds here today. Some are hearing, building on the rock. Some are hearing and building on the sand. And Jesus says, those are the ones who hear, but then don't act. Those who hear and believe and live and act, they do my words. They follow me. Jesus is showing us that faith in Christ is active. It responds. It does stuff. It shines. It's salty. It prays. It loves their enemies. It shares the gospel. It seeks to make peace. It hungers and thirsts for righteousness. That's all from the Sermon on the Mount. They build their house, their life on the rock. And Jesus is the foundation. Their faith in Jesus, trusting in his death and his resurrection and his words, the Christian life is the trust in the total Christ. 
He trusts his death and his resurrection and what he calls you to do. And you build on the rock. You got your life. It's like a house and there's Christ. And then you've got, you know, marriage and you got your job and you got parenting and you have your pleasures and then you've got money and choices and hobbies and and all that's getting built up. And then you also have humility and, and praying for others and thirsting for righteousness and, and obeying the scriptures and, and loving your enemies. All, all these things being brought on together. Because you hear and, and you act. But then there's the other side. Those who hear but don't act. They hear Jesus say, don't store up treasures on earth but in heaven. But they don't act. They hear Jesus say, love your enemies, but they don't. They know Jesus says, be a peacemaker, but they don't care. They hear Jesus say, turn from your sin, but they don't. Do you see? Jesus says they're building something too. Everyone is building something with their life. And are you building on discipleship with Christ where he's the foreman, he's the construction manager, these are the blueprints. And you're building with that meekness and humility and seeking godliness and loving others, all that together. And notice, if you're building with Christ, that doesn't mean storms in life don't hit. That's a false assurance that you should not have about the Christian life. Look what he says. Those who hear, verse 24, and act, They're like the wise person who builds his house on the rock. But look, verse 25, the rain still falls, the rivers still rise. The winds blow down, the winds come down the mountains. They pound that house, but what? It didn't collapse. Following Jesus doesn't mean a storm-free life. It means you will survive the storm. You will stand. You'll hear the word cancer and it won't rattle your faith to nothingness. An unexpected death will happen and it won't rattle your faith down to the sand. Your marriage could collapse, but your life will not. Because its foundation is Christ. But the other house, the other house is built on shifting, soppy sand. I love this picture from Jesus. Sand can be strong. You ever been buried in enough sand? It gets hard to breathe. Okay, kids, get it off me. We use it to weigh tents down, sandbags, channel water, but eventually it's not enough. There's a reason why the Hoover Dam isn't made out of sand. And that's what a lot of people in the Bible Belt built their life on. They just build their life. The same way we are. Marriage, kids, parenting, job. But there's other, they're not building meekness, they're not building trust in Christ, they're not building trust with Christ. They just got money and then building approval and then, and then appearance and then popularity and then pleasure at all costs, flings on the side, parading spirituality, and then the storm comes. And what does Jesus say happens? The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blow, pounded that house, and it collapsed. And look at how he describes it. It collapsed with a great crash. 
toppled. Devastation over. All from not responding rightly to the words of Jesus. That won't stand in the last day. What are you building? Will your life collapse with a great crash? Or is your life on the solid foundation of Christ's death for your sins on the cross and the forgiveness he offers you and his resurrection from the dead as he walked out of a stone alive? So we build our lives on that stone. Are you hearing? Are you acting on the words of Christ? Are you living from the words of Christ? Are you living with Christ? Are you living for Christ? Are you living towards Jesus? Listen, he lives all of this for you. He lived it all for you, so now you could live it. But hear Jesus, that professed faith without progress in the faith will lead to a great crash. But professed faith with proof of faith, hearing and doing the words of Jesus, because he is your life. That leads to life. That's what salvation looks like. That's what Christianity looks like. It looks like the Sermon on the Mount, where Christ, as the crucified and risen Lord, who died for our sins so that we could be forgiven of them all by simple trust in him, we're now raised to new life. And now we walk with Jesus wherever he calls us to go. We hear his words. Believe in me, and we believe. We act on it. We hear his words, turn from your sin, and we act on it. We hear his words, follow me, and we act on it. What are you building? My great fear is that some of you will collapse on that final day. But I know some of you, we will hear, well done, my good and faithful servants. Enter into your master's joy. Every single one of us in this room must look at our lives and go, what am I building? Am I following Christ for real? Or am I building on the sand? Let's pray together. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.